0: Welcome to another episode of the Penny and Pops podcast under the MagicBasketballOnline.com name. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. Magic Training Camp starts next week. Let's go! <laughs> back. Uh obviously we've had people asking where the hell have we been for the past couple weeks. Uh life happens. Um that and I guess gambling kind of. So uh anyway, we're back. Uh the last episode you heard was our 15th. We did a special episode on Magic playoff series. So plus we also just kind of wanted to wait because hey, training camp is literally a few days away and there's actually a lot of stuff to talk about leading into you know, Media Day, I'll be there uh, this upcoming Monday for Magic Media Day. I'm excited. Uh, this will be my fifth season covering the Magic, and I can't remember being this excited about a Magic team since literally probably 2009. So um, I'm, I'm thrilled for that to happen, and I'm just going to roll through some of the topics that have been going on the past couple of weeks. Uh, Spencer, I'm assuming you saw none of Nikola Vucevic uh, playing for Montenegro this, this past few weeks.
1: I didn't get to see a lot. I was trying to take advantage of the last couple of weeks that we had to kind of recharge and refresh before we go right into the grind of the NBA season.
0: Well, I don't know about recharging, refreshing, because for those of you that don't know, uh, Spencer and I are in a dodgeball league right now. And uh, both of us have, I guess, asymmetrical groin injuries. No, I, don't, I wouldn't call it groin injuries. It's really bad inner thigh pulls is what I will call it. Oh, it's um, tight down there. Yeah, it's, it's tight. <laughs> tight, 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 tight. Um, so Vooch uh, played for the Montenegro national team. Uh, basically, this was a qualifying tournament for uh, next year's Eurobasket championship or the European Championships. Um, if, if you really care hard, enu- you know, hard enough about, about that, you can just read my pieces on magicbasketballonline.com. But Vooch in the six games that he played, uh, two of those being against former Magic man uh, Zaza Pachulia's uh, Georgia squad, uh, but Vooch in six games averaged 15.7 points per game, 6.5 boards, 2.8 assists per game. Uh, he shot 47.5% uh, percent from the field, which is a little low than his typical over 50% shooting. But uh, for those of you that may not know, European-style refereeing lets you get away with a lot more physical pushing than in, in the NBA. So um, he did well. The most intriguing thing, though, is Vooch st- shot a lot of three-pointers. He was six of thirteen from deep, which is uh, pretty pretty good forty six point two percent. Obviously, the European line's a little bit shorter, but
1: step out to the corner.
0: I mean, he's, he he was pretty far out on some of his takes. Like he was yeah. behind three point range. So um,
1: let him fly this year.
0: I mean, he only he averaged a little less than two free throw attempts per game, which you kind of want that to go up during in the NBA season, especially when you know there's so many questions up in the air as far as you know magic points and just getting to the free throw line in general because this magic team since Dwight left since Stan left have been awful at getting to the free throw line
1: just in general good at good at hitting them for the most
0: part just not shooting enough of them and that's
1: Vujovic's Achilles heel too is he just doesn't get himself to the line often enough to pick up those easy points but uh, I'll be excited to see what he looks like is he going to be a focal point of the of the offense on the low block or on the high post, and how Vogel decides to use him. Maybe he'll draw a little more contact this season.
0: Yeah, you know i'm I'm a big uh, I'm a big Vooch supporter. I think he should get a ton of touches offensively. I want to see that usage uh, rate go up a lot. Inside out. Um, you know, especially you know you'll have Fournier mostly handling you know, a lot of the scoring on the outside and just darting in. Then you got, you know, Alfred and Aaron using their athleticism. Um, and then, you know, you'll have Ibaka maybe spotting up in the corners or, or the elbow around there. And I really want to see Vooch get force-fed the ball, especially when you look at, like, what Roy Hibbert did under Frank Vogel vooch is way better offensively than hibbert there's no reason why he can't average over 20 points per game this season and his
1: passing really improved last season i think it'd be a real benefit to the magic to kind of run the offense through him whether it's in the high post whether it's on the block dump it into him if he doesn't have the one-on-one matchup he likes kick it out and then you know get a good shot off the ball movement
0: um and i'm a little curious to see if he'll if if he'll have lost weight, because he, I don't, it could just be that the Montenegrin jerseys are not baggy like the NBA ones, but he looks actually like he lost weight. Um, It, it might be to possibly be more of a power forward offensively than a center. He'll still post up if the opportunity, you know, comes as far as that goes, but um, he looked quicker to me. And I mean, maybe he's going up against a bunch of Euro stiffs. I don't know, but uh, I mean, against Zaza Pachulia, he, he outran, he outran ran him pretty hard, and Zaza is known as a hustle guy. And right, the fact that Vooch got him, you know, got him, you know, played him pretty damn well in both those contests that they faced each other. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we'll delve more deeper into that as we as the training camp and preseason progresses, and we know more kind of how the rotation looks. So, we'll move from one current Magic player to another current Magic player: uh, Jody Meeks, uh, Josh Robbins after i felt like he was gone on vacation for about 6 weeks Longer you deserve than us. you deserve it sir um, of the orlando sentinel he uh, is reporting that jody meeks uh, may actually be playing in november for the magic which that's quicker than i thought initially when i heard you know he had mid surgery in mid july to repair the fifth metatarsal in his in his foot um, you know whether it's early november late november doesn't matter he it'll be within a month of the season having started and you know, the, the, guys, the guy is being brought in to stabilize not just the bench, not just the locker room with kind of veteran leadership or whatnot, but the guy can shoot. Yeah. When he's healthy, he can shoot. He didn't really get to show that last year due to due to him picking up this, this injury. He only played like three games last season, and – You know, if the Magic do have some early struggles, you know, with their bench or whatnot, it'd be great that they could probably throw Meeks in
1: pretty quickly. Yeah, he has a skill that our team has been sorely lacking for the last several years, so it'd be nice to get him in, uh, you know, somewhere into the rotation or, you know, maybe even ninth or 10th man just to have him available, as you said, as a stabilizing force. But I think what we want to do is make sure that this injury doesn't linger. And, you know, he's got to be smart about it. As he's approaching a new contract, yeah. and the team has to be smart about it because you don't want it to turn into a CJ Watson thing from last season, where a, a calf strain yeah, costs carries, you the whole year, yeah, essentially like four or
0: five months. Yeah. Like you go from like a month to oh crap, like he's gone literally the majority of the year. Right. So, um, you know, we'll see. I'm sure from all accounts, I, it, it sounds like they're definitely not pushing him, but that November looks promising. So that's awesome. Plus, he's obviously fighting for new contract, right. so he might be rushing himself, but we'll
1: see. So. But any contribution from him, I think, would be an added bonus. And, Absolutely. And it's something that could, could actually really help the team. So uh, one cool thing about how social media has
0: developed is we get to kind of see more behind the scenes type stuff, obviously, than you would if you were just physically there reading about it or whatnot. Um, and one of the things that we've seen over the past week is Fox Sports Florida, who broadcast all the Orlando Magic games, been doing it for years now. They, uh, you know, they got they pulled in the majority of the Magic roster for their. I guess commercial shoots for some of the shoots you'll see in Amway Center for like player intros or whatnot. Um, you also saw them doing some of the games like putt putt or heads up or a whole bunch of other things like tapping balloon balloons up in the air or whatnot. Um, I enjoyed that. It's interesting to see uh, like rookie Steven Zimmerman being in there and me thinking you may not play a single regular season game this season,
1: but you know cj wilcox is there that footage it's, will end up on the cutting room floor
0: i possibly i mean they'll show it for preseason yeah. i'm sure and yeah. then and then they'll have to fill it with other stuff <laughs> later on but um it's kind of cool especially when Bismack Bizna- bismack biombo had it had like a live a facebook live session for like 18 minutes going through everything and he's like cursing at it and whatnot um there's gonna be a fun team there's there's a lot of cool personalities um I'm sure it was really annoying for them to be out on that court though hearing like that rumble and sound of a drone flying above you. Those things are freaking loud.
1: So, and scary a little bit. I I have to say, uh as resident stick in the mud old man, I <laughs> I can't believe that we're still going to go with the same Guy Fieri minute to win it games for the for the JumboTron uh timeout entertainment. Uh got to see Evan Fournier succeed in a couple of those one being the one where you blow up a balloon and then let the air out to knock a bunch of cups off a table yeah. and let me tell you that guy did good yeah no he got them all off real quick so i feel sorry for whoever the fan is that has to try and beat his time when they when they do that uh during the season it
0: was kind of hilarious watching biombo struggle with heads up cuz he, he literally didn't know like the game was not properly explained to him and then he figured it out like through the second one with poor rookie zimmerman like trying to help him <laughs> out
1: um and then it, it, it's just great. Uh, if Bismack needs any help with Heads Up, uh, he's got two fine coaches right here. Yeah, Penny,
0: Well, Penny, you're definitely the better of, of us two as far as Heads Up goes. But uh, anyway, so the Magic have 13 players under contract. Uh, when the season, regular season starts, you can have a maximum 15 on your roster. The Magic are going into training camp with 19 players. Uh, they picked up six here recently for, to basically battle it out for two, maybe three spots, depending on how you view Zimmerman. Um, and those six guys are Cliff Alexander, Brandon Dawson, Nick Johnson, Kevin Murphy, Renze Onuwaku, and uh, Damian Rudej. So if you go to the Magic Basketball Online roster page, uh, I already have Damo Rudej on there as a, as a roster spot already. Um I feel like he'd have to really really struggle or get injured or just supremely screw up for him not to get a roster spot just because a lot of the international rumors I had heard was that he pretty he signed like a, a one year guaranteed deal that obviously isn't what has happened it hasn't been reported as that but clearly he he's being brought to the magic knowing that Hey, you're a Croatian. We have a young Croatian, Mario Huzonio. You can shoot the three-pointer. You're a stretch four. We, we could use some of that help. So if he shows any of his form that he showed, not in Minnesota, but under Frank Vogel's uh, Indiana Pacers leadership, he's definitely going to make the roster. But my question to you is, who, th- who do you think makes the team?
1: Well, coming out of summer, without league, having to see anything, right, of course, because
0: right. as you know, in years past, you know we've had guys like Solomon Jones or Dequan Jones come
1: out of nowhere right. and surprise everybody. So, so they, I think it's equal opportunity at the moment. But coming out of summer league, you know that I was high on uh, Onowaku. I thought Arinze played really well, and, and you got to see him. Summer so. league is an environment um, that caters towards perimeter players right i think it's harder as a big man to really make an impact during those kind of playground more playground style games uh than the structured games that you'll find in the preseason and the regular season um i like Onowaku. he had a couple cups of coffee in the nba previously big rugged solid player uh Maybe not a high ceiling, a little older. I mean, he's 29 years old, but he looked
0: really good at Summer League. The guy averaged 14.8 points per game and 9.8 rebounds, I believe, uh, in, in Summer League in those five games that he played. So he literally averaged
1: pretty much a double-double every game. And he's a he's a professional. You know what you're going to get. I got to see probably uh, well over 50 of his D-League games, uh, and I just enjoy watching him play. Uh, I think he'd be a good end-of-the-bench big We have a lot of overlap in terms of guys that can play the four and the five. If you talk about Biombo and Ibaka, it might be tough for Vujovic to go slide down to the four defensively. But as an an emergency big on the end of the bench, I think Onowaku fits that bill. Um, Other than that, maybe a Cliff Alexander. Uh, I would say, in my opinion, I think a big man is what you're going to do. So if it's between Rudez and Alexander and Onowaku... Also, I don't think the Magic are going to carry 15 guys. I think we'll probably carry 14 again. So it's going to make it. So you think so? They'll have Zimmerman. He could be an
0: Erie like the whole right. year, but then you're thinking at least maybe just one more after that. Then I think it. Uh, well, actually, technically two more. I right. guess after that. So but
1: we're you know we tend to uh, while we spend money to put a winning product on the floor more often than not, we also tend to save money. Um, and we haven't always carried 15 guys the last right. couple of seasons. So uh, I, I'd be interested to see. I'll tell you one guy who I don't like, and that's Nick Johnson.
0: Really? Okay,
1: because I'm
0: kind of with you on that. I mean, look, Nick Johnson, he's he's an Arizona Wildcat as well. Uh, he, you know, he was drafted by the Rockets, or he played for the Rockets anyway. He spent some time in the D League. I mean, he's a 6'3 guard. The problem is the Magic are stacked at guard right now as it is. Um, and you, he either has to play an undersized shooting guard whose best asset is basically dunking and getting an occasional defensive good play here and there right. Or playing point guard as like the
1: fourth guy behind C.J. Watson and D.J. Augustine and Alfred Payton. So. And again, we have twos in Evan Fournier and even Mario Hezonja and are, even Jody Meeks right, that once are he's comfortable. Healthy. And uh, C.J. Wilcox orchestrating so yeah. the offense and and taking over those ball handling duties. So I think for Nick Johnson, uh, it's a case of kind of duplicating talent and talent, you know, overlap where. Uh, Is he better than anyone that we currently have on the roster? And in my estimation, no. Uh, I think it's more athleticism and less skill with a guy like that.
0: Yeah, um, you know, we talked about Onuwaku, who was on the Magic White team that won the championship. Uh, So was Kevin Murphy. Kevin Murphy is kind of intriguing just because he doesn't really show much, but he, he did a lot of intangibles that kind of got him in there. I mean, he... He played pretty well under Bill Peterson uh, for that summer league team. He had 11 points per game, four rebounds per game, got over a steal. Uh, the problem is the shooting percentage a little bit. He only shot about 42 percent field goal range, but he shot under 20 percent on three pointers. And he's a better three point shooter historically. He just didn't show it in summer league. So maybe they want to give him the opportunity here in preseason. I feel like it be it makes sense for the Magic not to just have Rudez but also Onowaku, but I think the Magic are looking for another three-point shooter. That's the thing. Right. So whether that's a Nick Johnson, whether that's Brandon Dawson. Dawson had a cup of coffee with Erie, but he's been in in the D-League for a long time as far as just production goes or time goes, time spent goes. Um, you know, I don't know what if Cliff Alexander is going to try and try and expand his shooting game a little bit. He supposedly has tried that. Um, I'm I'm thinking it's going to be rude as Onowaku
1: right now. And but we'll see, you know, surprises are meant to occur, and uh, we'll we'll find out. That's what I'd put my money on too. And I think if you were looking at this team at, at an earlier point in the rebuild, um, you talked about DeQuan Jones, who really came out of nowhere to basically earn a roster spot and push out Quentin Richardson, who yeah. was a guaranteed contract. Hennigan's not looking to find somebody to develop now. He's looking for contributors that can actually bring something to, to the table for Frank Vogel so that this team makes the playoffs. Yeah, especially and, especially if, ing, if injuries
0: kicked in like they did in,
1: in December, January, February last season. That right. killed us, basically. And look, Rudez is a known quantity. He's a veteran with NBA experience. And Onuaku, while he hasn't played a ton of NBA minutes... Is also kind of one of those known entities where you you're sol- you're solidified in case of emergency. You know what you have on the back end of your rotation. Yeah, he's a well traveled guy, and I he's one of those few guys that somehow improved out
0: of nowhere, even though he's 29 years old. So uh, anyway, next topic: the uh, the Vegas predictions are out as far as over and unders go. Yeah, they are. Uh, Little interesting because the, first off, the magic I found out actually have the largest salary uh, a, a, a team salary as far as the Southeast division goes. They're ninth in the NBA. right b- below them is the Wizards at 10th as far as money spent on players. Um, but Vegas, for some reason only sees the magic improving by, well, not anyway, not necessarily that. The magic won 35 games last season.. Right. They placed their over under on betting on how many ma- games the Magic will win this season at 36 and a half games. So the whole point of over-under is just putting a line that's attractive enough to have people bet obviously below it and bet right, above it. Right. So they go they specifically tar- target saps like me that feel offended when they basically <laughs> view the Magic as only slightly having improved.
1: You've got to take emotion out of it when you're dealing with the checkbook.
0: Uh, yeah, but anyway, they, they have the magic winning. You know, they have the over under at 36.5. Curiously, the Miami Heat are there as well. So, in that regard, I'm, I'm, I'm at least pleased that they dropped them down, knowing that Chris Bosch may not play this season. Right. And, I mean, they lost Wayne Wade, they lost Luau Dang, they lost a lot of pieces, and that team is very questionable going forward. Um, the Magic at 36.5 uh, on the over under wins would be 12th in the East. Um, Miami being tied with them, thirteenth. So, and then the only two teams worse than that are the Sixers and Nets. So, you look above that, though. The East. I don't think there's much uh, doubt that the Cavaliers are going to be favored. Uh, they are listed at fifty-six and a half wins for the over/under. Um, Second is the Boston Celtics. They're at fifty-one and a half. Obviously, people are high in them getting out Horford. Yeah uh raptors at forty nine and a half. they lost biombo they lost scola they they may or they may take a step back we'll see um obviously vegas thinks they'll drop a little bit uh fourth would be the detroit pistons so stan van gundy's team getting a lot of love tobias harris's uh, crew over under 45 and a half that's an interesting number yeah um that might be a little high but we'll we'll, we'll see and then you get, like I said, it's pretty much four through thirteen. It's you go from you know Pistons at forty-five and a half, Miami's at thirty-six and a half, less than a ten-game gap right there. So fifth, you have the Pacers at forty-three and a half, and then you finally get to the first Southeast Division team in the Atlanta Hawks with an over/under of forty-three and a half. You and I had that podcast where we said that forty-five wins could possibly win the Southeast Division. Vegas seems to be open to that idea. Right. Um, I'm just a little bit surprised that they actually have Atlanta at the top, considering they lost Horford, they lost Teague, they're handing the keys over to Schroeder. Um, Millsap's going to have to do a ton, and we don't know what Dwight Howard's going to be. And Dwight Howard just was hospitalized this week. For airplane dehydration, which you, that's why you got to buy a Gatorade and, <laughs> and, and just have that on there. I mean, I, or I guess he's a vitamin water guy, so right. maybe he needs to have vitamin water on there or whatnot. But... Um, yeah, you got to hydrate yourself on those trips, man, those those long trips.
1: Um, well, let's address the magics over and under number first, I think. Well, and also, I'll, I'll quickly say okay. the other ones,
0: but the Wizards are listed just below the Hawks in 7th at 42.5. And then Charlotte's at 39.5 uh, for theirs. So, And they're listed as ninth out of the
1: playoffs, technically. So, anyway, you can continue now. I think that we, we agree in that, almost the same as last year teams five through 12 in the east there's not going to be a lot of separation so in that regard i think the over under numbers line up accordingly uh i think that the magic number is too low i would bet the over if i could cash a ticket um you know i mean atlanta to me i don't think that they're the team that wins the southeast and and the more i try and talk myself out of it the less i can do it I feel like we have the best roster and the best assembled team out of any team in the Southeast Division.
0: I mean, I, I'm pretty much there with you. I, I respect the hell out of Charlotte, though. There's no way Charlotte wins less than 40 games this year, I don't think. I mean, look, yeah, they lost Al Jefferson. Yeah, they lost Courtney Lee. But, I mean, they still got Batum. They still got Kemba. Um, you know we'll we'll see, and, and, and they, they still have a great coaching staff with Steve Clifford, right? And you, they get
1: Michael Kidd-Gilchrist back. That's exactly right. I will say they lost Jeremy Lin, but they did get Michael Kidd-Gilchrist back, and he brings an entire dimension to that team that they were without for all of last year.
0: I mean, I, I actually would give them the nod right now to win the Southeast, but I mean, I'm probably in the minority on that. I, but I, I, there's no reason why the Magic can't do it if if they get their get it together and chemistry develops well. I, I don't see a reason why they can't call me Homer, Call me optimistic. I don't know, but uh, anyway, so we'll we'll see. But if only Vegas had dropped this line while I was in Vegas a few weeks ago, I would have happily bet on this and probably put it put more than 100 bucks on that. So anyway, uh, next topic, uh, if you didn't watch the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame uh, inducted several legends. A couple couple of them being uh, Allen Iverson, Yao Ming, Cheryl Swoops, and, of course, Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq is now, is technically the longest tenured Magic player to ever be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Previously, it was Patrick Ewing and Dominique Wilkins. They were both tied at one year. Both played for the Magic, coincidentally, when they were each 39 years old and nowhere near their Hall of Fame form by then. So... I'm assuming you watched the Hall of Fame. Um, first off, you've been to Springfield, Massachusetts. I'm quite jealous of you. Yeah. I still need to go. Worth um, the trip. I, I definitely look forward to, to doing that one day um, and going to Boston and maybe seeing a Magic game there as well. But um, I'm assuming you saw the Shaq speech. Shaq talked for about 30 minutes, and I thought overall it was a pretty, cool, pretty good speech. He mixed in comedy with, uh some pretty serious stuff when he got to more personal relationship stuff you know he talked about how his 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 love of communities and giving to those communities including Orlando he didn't mention it necessarily but we know that to this day Shaq calls Orlando home you know he he does a lot of stuff in the community charity wise still um him and his family and it's just weird that out of the thirty minutes that he spoke about the magic, he talked he talked about the magic maybe like forty seconds, and about twenty of those seconds was him
1: disparaging Nick Anderson. Yes,
0: even though Shaq slightly covered himself by saying how awful of a free throw shooter he was himself, still you gotta let Nick go. Like I feel like if that was his
1: buddy Dennis Scott that missed the free throws, he would not have done that. Yeah, so. I agree. I think there's definitely not a rift, but. Clearly, he's not as close with. It's one of those one-sided relationships between him and Nick Anderson, where they. uh, I think that uh, there was more truth to the to the jab than than maybe he intended. I thought that the speech was entertaining. It was quintessential Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, you know, it was. uh, Say what you will about the guy. Uh, You're right. He lives in Orlando still, and regardless of whatever mention or non mention. Um, there have been actions that taken that prove that you know he's he's uh, contributed to the community uh, in economic ways and in, in social ways. So that's there. But I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to, and this is me projecting probably, I think that that Shaquille O'Neal is a narcissist <laughs> and a little insecure. Oh, right? uh, very so, insecure. I mean, so that yes. that that shapes every single communication that he has, and especially any public communication and especially, um, his induction speech, because not only is he on stage literally in front of that room, but he's on stage figuratively trying to, you know, kind of retroactively shape his entire career. Um, and you know, he's going to focus on the championships and not so much the, the, uh, learning curve that happened in orlando yeah look he he he
0: he has many insecurities i mean i've seen i've read articles recently about that and just him growing up all the all the stuff he had to deal with growing up and you know then there's like the article that i made as far as just stuff that he dealt personally with the orlando media and then just other other stuff that happened during that 96 year basically you know i go to the to the Dennis got Chris Mannix podcast where you know on top of discuss, discussing the awful uh, shit prank that oh, they no. that they dropped on uh, the now unfortunately deceased Brooks Thompson um unbelievable prank i can't believe he did that where he literally took a dump in the shoe and oh, oh shit shoe yeah. o'neil yeah anyway um you know Dennis talks about how you know when Shaq's grandma died he went up to Newark um you know, he was there like a week but the, supposedly the team you know the magic pressured him to to fly back after spending a week up there or whatnot and there's that scene where it's like the first or second quarter and he's quickly like driving you know being driven to the uh, old o- arena and suits up for the magic and you know the magic lose that game and people thought though that was the beginning of Shack uh, Shaq's rift with the team a little bit there. Um yeah the the It's interesting. That was that was that was spring of 96. That was after the blizzard that January. So I feel like it's like a progression of stuff, you know. He went from just being able to to separate your per your professional basketball stuff to all this personal stuff is coming in and then you add stuff like the stupid Sentinel pole in the right. summer and just a whole bunch of stuff and I feel like if he wasn't 23 years old, if he was maybe like 27 or something, maybe he doesn't leave. Or maybe if DeVos, you know, Rich DeVos doesn't go, like, give me your heart or whatnot, and like low balls him initially right. with the money offer. It's like a snowball effect. And as time goes on, as I like read more stuff, I'm falling a bit for the revisionist history where I really do think ownership not only just dropped the ball, but I think.
1: A lot of our Orlando media is to blame for him to actually bailing too, but Shaq always wanted to go to LA. I mean, I, I'm the with you on that. The autobiography that was published prior to his rookie season essentially called that, but you're right in that Shaq was learning how to be a professional. And our ownership was learning how to own a basketball team. We yeah. were in our infancy as a franchise, and the DeVos
0: family had literally owned the team not about four years at right. that point. So. so,
1: I mean, everyone's going through the learning process, and just like anyone else in any stage of life, you know, if you could take a do-over, maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. Certainly worked out for him, not so much for us. But mm. if you go back to that seminal incident in 1996, where you're talking about rushing him back. Not only was it a nationally televised game against the Bulls, so a huge NBC. Matchup, when being right. on
0: NBC really, really mattered at that but time. But
1: let's not forget that he had already missed the first part of that season recovering from the wrist injury, yeah, the hand injury, mm-hmm. right we're trying to get ready for the playoffs to make it back to the finals trying to
0: claim that one seed and just you, home for court right the whole you way, certainly
1: too. and especially again against the bulls where it's kind of a must-win game psychologically as well as for the standings you want to get him back in the fold as quickly as possible so that that team was firing on all cylinders going into the playoffs so mm-hmm. the team wanted him back um you know if everyone's a little older and more mature and the communication lines are stronger, maybe that's not uh, one of the deciding factors. But I uh, he was always going to go to L.A. I mean, and not, his to, agent not learned to, our to say modern that modern we that didn't too. not to say that we didn't completely yeah. bungle it, but even if we played it all were all right. I don't think there's any guarantee he would have stayed. Yeah,
0: we definitely. I mean, there there wasn't, but leaving the door open and it, it's just weird having like he, when you when he got inducted, he had like the three uh, former players up on stage with him. One of them was Alonzo Mourning. I'm like, if you didn't get a hundred million dollars, you bastard. <laughs> he might have stuck around. So, and then Jawan Howard as well getting over a hundred million. But yeah, anyway, um, like, congrats to Shaq. It, it's technically the Magic officially making it into the Hall of Fame. Our logo, our old badass logo being on the drapes and everything and on the, on the balcony, it was really cool to see. Yeah. And even if he barely talked about us, it's, it's like Orlando got into the Hall of Fame. So I'm still proud of that, and we still made that bastard what he is for for the uh, sure. most part. So. I
1: think that obviously all of us picture Shaq in a magic uniform, but I think on the national level, people probably go Lakers – but I think they go Lakers then Magic.
0: Yeah, I mean, even though he won Miami their first championship, people kind of forget that now. Yeah. I mean, people more equate that with Dwayne Wade. Right. So, you know, Shaq became Shaq here in Orlando. I mean, he was doing movies, he was doing blue chips in Orlando. Um, you know that didn't that you know he was doing that before LA. So anyway, um, so you know, I'm, I'm being going back to that Mannix Dennis Scott podcast. 3D also mentioned. Um, you know Shaq and Kobe or Shaq and Penny who would you pick between the two he freaking he picked Shaq and Kobe which i guess he copped out cuz he picked the, the the duo that won the championship or in this case several championships but um you know prime you know me i'm taking prime i'm taking Penny and Shaq over Kobe uh, over Kobe
1: and Shaq but um, I don't know if what your feeling is on that, Spencer. I, mean, I think Penny and Shaq were a better duo and a better combination that played off one another. Penny had no problem setting up Shaq. Kobe wanted to do it on his own. And one of the, aside from the championships, which is a given, Dennis Scott picked Kobe because he felt he was a better defender. Which I call kind of... Horseshit. Bullshit. Well, not just kind of. It's, I think it's, it's BS horseshit shit time, yeah. Because if you're talking about... Even if you want to say he he wasn't quick enough laterally, which is bullshit again, yeah. Or if he didn't want to give the effort on defense, which is probably bullshit, yeah. You're talking about a six foot eight point guard. He has the length and and the size to stay in front and deter all the other guards, all the other ones, right? So, yeah, he's going to keep him out of the paint, and if he doesn't, Shacks behind him anyway. And I think Prime. Athleticism-wise, I'm taking Penny's quickness
0: over Kobe's quickness. I I am. I don't know about you, but I mean, I even when even after the first surgery, when Penny went up against Kobe a couple times, even in like ninety-eight, ninety-nine, whatnot, or ninety-nine, Penny was still freaking hanging in there with him, and. That's pretty amazing for for that situation. So, anyway, um, I'll mention a few other podcasts. I don't know if you heard the Woj uh, Billy Donovan podcast. This was, like, weeks ago, talking about Ibaka and Oladipo. And, you know, a lot of people were really in love with Victor Oladipo. And I'm just like, where the hell was this the past two years, you know? So, um, it's going to be interesting. And Ibaka has a lot to prove, not just because he's trying to get a brand-new contract, but – he wanted a more central role. role. Bogle's going to give him that opportunity. Now, is he going to turn into too much of a jump shooter, and he's going to kill his percentages, and the team's going to suffer? I hope not. I don't think that's going to be allowed to happen. Um, whether he's going to be disgruntled about it or not, I don't know. That's maybe why we also got Biombo for the insurance purposes. But... Um, you know another podcast. I don't know if you heard uh, this week. It was uh, the Matt Barnes Barnes JJ Redick podcast, which that was very intriguing. And Barnes is one of those guys where, you know, I, I've heard so many interviews for him, but it always surprises me because he's he's a tough freaking dude, and he's probably like one of the most eloquent speakers you can come across as far as NBA players go. And I mean, he was
1: like Joe Joe Dad. He was like oh yeah, father taking his twins to the park you know just mainstream and they opened the podcast with the jason williams nickname story which is pretty good um
0: you know people forget as far as barnes is you know one season with the magic goes that 2010 run i mean the big reason why the magic cruised through the regular season and those first two rounds was because because of matt barnes even though cutting
1: matt barnes
0: and the guy was hitting threes he was burying threes and unfortunately, people forget he had injuries in that Celtics
1: series. And Hurt his back, and, and, and he had like a
0: toe thing. I yeah. want to say. And
1: so talk about you, your feet and your back, and you're being tasked with trying to stay in front of Paul Pierce when he was still or Paul Pierce running
0: around trying to keep pace with Ray Allen. Right. Like it's it, it was it, it it was tough. I yeah. mean, even though obviously that Kevin Garnett back, still that series would have gone a lot better had. Well, one had Vince Carter, you know, manned up a little bit more, and two have had a, uh, you know, Barnes not been injured. So, um, it, it is unfortunate that they didn't keep him longer. But it, it's no one of those, long. yeah, no one keeps it's him long. That's the thing. I, I think he's been on like nine teams in his NBA career, which has spanned, I think, twelve years. So, man's been around, and it's a very intriguing podcast. Um, Earlier, uh, earlier in the summer, Serge Ibaka he uh, he came out with two of his own written pieces, which is very rare for any type of professional athlete to do. But he had a piece on the Cauldron and the Players Tribune talking about kind of like his his travels in Turkey. um, You know, while he was there during uh, you know political and and military unrest uh, for a little bit there uh, during the coup, the failed coup attempt. But also talking about how he grew up and how he went through hell trying to get out of the Congo into Spain, how he got discovered in Spain, and just kind of how it all progressed from there. And you know, when 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 you see and read more about guys like Biombo and Ibaka, those two, they're really freaking awesome guys. And on top of being these huge defensive beasts at center or whatnot, you know, the Magic they they pride themselves on getting character guys. They also really need to get guys who are winners, and I. I'm really very optimistic about these guys, and I think they hit a home run with both of them as far as what they'll provide on the court and you know, off the floor. I mean, they're, they're very giving guys, and I'm just excited to get going on yeah. this.
1: Those are the types of guys, you're right, that you, you feel good rooting for, You know that you, you want to see succeed, and uh, any time that you can blend talent with character, then you're, you're doing something right. Um, I I will pat
0: myself on the back on this as far as uh, Evan Fournier and the French national team goes. uh, piece came out, uh, a couple pieces I think in the French media came out. Uh, Euro Hoops uh, translated all those, and uh, basically it kind of confirms that Vincent Collet does not like Evan Fournier, and basically the French national team really really screwed up in not invite bringing him along to the Olympics, and. I'm very intrigued to see how if he'll if he'll be playing for France at EuroBasket 2017 next year. We'll see, but um, it's he, the guy's the future of the French national team. I mean, he is he's going to be the guy that you know transcends them over from Parker and Dial to you know it's going to be him and Gobert and an older Batum basically running that team. And for that national team to, to treat him, or for that coach Cole to treat him you know, basically Vincent like nothing, Cole. yeah, you know, to, to treat Fournier like crap like that, um, it's going to be interesting to see if he actually plays for him, or if it's going to take him sitting out and waiting for a new coach to, sh- to show up, kind of like Vucevic did for the Montenegro national team, right. basically, and we saw it's working out pretty well for Vuce right now, and if I'm Fournier, I don't really have to deal with this crap, but... I understand you love playing for your country. I'm a country guy first over club in pretty much any situation. But if the coach doesn't like you, like it's, you're kind of in a rough situation there. So. Well, there's
1: a clear disconnect in whether it's strictly coach to player, player to coach, or even the, the French Basketball Bas- Federation, Federation yeah. because they just extended Collet's contract. So if I'm Evan Fournier... Uh, I guess the next time you have to deal with it's in two years if you're talking about kind of the world championship stuff.
0: Well, but, I mean, like I said, Eurobasket's next year. Right. Like I said, Eurobasket's a pretty big deal still, so, but, but anyway.
1: But why would I give up my summer to be pissed off and sit around and not get the kind of, you know, minutes and touches that I feel is worth my time?
0: Yes, um, and we'll see what type of season he has for the Magic. There's There's expectations with that contract now, so... Um I, I think he will he will make people forget about Victor Oladipo. I'm very hopeful about it. I'm very confident in it. And, and he's, he is too. he's got some extra motivation now because of this French national team stuff. So uh finally I'm gonna end with uh, Sports Illustrated coming out with player rankings. Uh five Magic players made their top one hundred. The majority of them were kind of in the bottom though. Uh you know, Aaron Gordon was in there, Vucevic was in there, uh Biombo and only uh, Serge Ibaka was in the top 70, basically. Um, yeah, I, I think he was like top. I think he was like 45 or something like that. But um, only a small handful of teams had five players in there. I think it was the Jazz and like the Spurs were like the only teams, basically, in there. Rankings are interesting. Um, in one regard, it's kind of cool that they had that many guys in the top 100. In the other, I feel like a lot of them were very underrated based off of players that were above them like Oladipo and Tobias are a little bit higher than what I thought they should be and again it goes back to the national folks not viewing this magic team in as bright a light as we do
1: yeah I think um, it's always cool to have a handful of good players and you talk about the Jazz being another team that had five guys that made the top 100 list. And they got a lot to prove. They got to make the playoffs and make a, make some noise. Right. That's a team that has been developing a core group, and they haven't yet seen the payoff. They hope to see it this year, um, as we do, too. But in a league where the top five make such a tremendous impact on wins and losses, uh every single team in the league would trade five top 100s for one top 10 and that's what we're still trying to develop or find in the draft or find via trades so. and hey
0: maybe maybe we do develop a top 10 maybe it is going to be Aaron Gordon we're gonna see um, maybe it's gonna be Mario Azonia one day who knows right but uh, I, I think this team you and I are both in agreement this team should make the playoffs bad things would have to happen for them not to make the playoffs. And they, if they get their act together and the rest of the Southeast division is as mediocre or subpar as we think it's going to be, I think the magic can win the Southeast division. So um, that's going to do it. And the next time you hear us, it'll be with uh, some magic quotes from media day and training camp and, all that jazz. So The season's
1: uh, upon us. Get you,
0: excited. Yes. You can uh, follow us on Twitter, at Magic for the site, story only feed. Spencer, what's your Twitter handle?
1: At Spencer Strode.
0: And I am at Uh We appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please subscribe. Please rate us uh, five stars. You can curse at us in your review. Just rate us five stars. And uh, until next time, we will uh, we will see you again.